Hi, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. Today, I'm going to be talking about an annual tradition at MDOT where our video crew creates a very good highlight reel of the year's major projects and what was accomplished. And I can honestly say in 2023, there is a lot to talk about. I'm going to be speaking with Brad Weferick, who is the Chief Operations Officer at MDOT and Chief Engineer, meaning he's over construction and the, the bureaus that develop and do the oversee the road construction. Brad will be acting director of MDOT as of January 1st, when Paul Ajiba, who is the director now, will be retiring from MDOT. So Brad, thank you for taking time to be here. I know it's a, a busy time, but I think uh, we have a lot to talk about in terms of accomplishments. Absolutely, we do have a lot. Thanks, Jeff, for, uh, for having me back on the podcast. So let's start with, uh, we'll kind of start up north and then work our way around uh, the state. Um, I-75, US-23 in Mackinac City, um, major artery in terms of tourism and obviously very important to the locals up there too. $12.3 million project. Uh, what can you tell us about that one? So yeah, that was a big job uh, for the Mackinac City area. <clears throat> uh, a, lot of, a lot of road rebuilding, but also included uh, the replacement of the uh, the superstructure and deck for I or I'm sorry uh, for US 23 southbound over I 75, um, we actually had to to close that obviously. And uh, one of the one of the highlights was working with the Mackinac City on how we we're going to maintain traffic through the town because if folks can't use that exit, they're going to have to use the one southbound further north, which takes them uh, into, into much more congested areas in the village. So uh, in particular, Police Chief uh, Todd Woods up there was very instrumental in working with the department on making sure that we could uh, manage the additional traffic. So you mentioned uh, the, the village. I always think that's funny. We've got a few uh, villages in Michigan that are named a city. Um, sometime I'll have to do a whole podcast on how that came to be. But uh the best thing about that, I thought, from talking to our folks up there, um, a lot of people would be familiar if they've traveled to the Mackinac Bridge with the Nicolette Street exit. And now that intersection of US 23 and Nicolette is completely reconfigured and there's no short section of road between the two signals and the northbound 23 ramp anymore. So that's that's good news for that one. Uh, let's jump way west, uh, about as far west as you can get in Michigan, to some work that was done on US 2 in Bessemer. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, big job, $10 million nearly uh, to rebuild the road and uh, some underground utility uh, work as well. So we, we, we reconfigured the lanes through Bessemer, um, adding a center left turn lane and some other safety improvements. But uh, one of the big things about that that I'd like to highlight is the coordination, again, that we had with the uh, with the locals. Um as we're in there to do this work, obviously we want to just dig once. We don't want to inconvenience the public and the motorists multiple times. Um, but we were also able to work with them on not only doing our, our roadway configurations and our storm sewer work, but also uh, sanitary uh, sanitary sewer work and water main replacements were included. So not only do we not inconvenience the, the public more than once, it also uh, helps from a cost standpoint, economy of scale, doing more work at once. And then the timing of it, such that the pavement's already ripped up, 
um, you don't have those additional costs. So, so again, I think this was a really good example of coordination with the city with multiple funding sources to get a, a complete project for our customers. Yeah, I really like that you put the emphasis on on dig once, and I, I think a lot of people think you know the the armchair engineers and uh, the Monday morning quarterbacks that drive by these things think why are you always tearing up the road uh, and don't know how much work really does go on with the various agencies to try to coordinate whenever possible. It's just not always possible. Right. So uh, from there, let's move down to a big one, $100 million project on I-69 and I-475 in Flint. Uh, Lots of bridges, two miles of highway. We celebrated the completion of the major work in the fall. The governor was there and Congressman Kildee, and, and you were there for that one. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I was there for that. I was actually out on this job a couple of times last year and a uh, very big job. Um, rebuilding Michigan project, uh, the bond money helped helped us get this, uh, you know, big necessary work done. Um, along with the highway work, there's about 18 structures that we were working on as well. And some of those structures were planned for just kind of deck patching and you know, really kind of heavy maintenance type things. But once we got out there, we realized that we needed to do something different. There was more of an investment that was going to be needed in order to to make sure that we're doing the the right fix at the right time. Um, we actually ended up doing some deck replacements instead of just patching. And uh, kind of a cool thing on this project was where we're starting to use the a special high strength chromium steel uh, reinforcement uh, bars in the deck itself. It's less corrosive and it reduces weight. It's like 20% um, less weight than the uh, traditional steel that would be used in that deck. So uh, it, it did uh, cost about uh, 10 million more. It was about an investment of 10 million more, I should say. But at the end of the day, we're going to get bridge decks out there that are going to last. It was the right fix at the right time. And being out there with our contractor, I think uh, we're going to end up with a with a much better end product and a much more um, a much better investment of the of the taxpayers' money rather than putting in patching that would be likely to fail in the short term. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's good to frame that as an investment. This is a case of throwing good money after good money. Exactly. So uh, from there, let's talk about. You know, we get a lot of major projects in Metro Detroit, obviously, uh, the I-96 flex route and rebuild of I-275 and rebuild of M-59 in Macomb County. But the most innovative, probably the most innovative project in the state involved uh, the Second Avenue Bridge in Detroit. It's a $26 million project, so not the biggest in terms of investment, but certainly the most interesting, I think. Yeah, it is, this is an interesting project, and it's really tied along to the uh, the I-94 corridor improvements um, that we're planning over the next several years. As we've been looking at this corridor, though, we've known that there were certain structures that they just had to be replaced. And Second Avenue is, in my opinion, going to be a signature for that corridor. It's a, um, it's a network tied arch, which means basically that it's an arch and the uh, you know, the ends of the arch are tied in place so that when the, the the bridge is loaded that, you know, the ends stay in place and that the arch doesn't flatten, essentially, is what the tied arch means. But it's a very aesthetic structure. 
um, worked well with the city on the geometry of it. Uh, the deck area itself is going to be almost the size of a football field. We're going to have uh, vehicular lanes, obviously, but um, we're also going to have uh, bike lanes on there. I think they're eight-foot bike lanes and sidewalks on each side. So this will truly be a, a multimodal structure that'll, uh, you know, be the be the right structure uh, with the right amenities for that place in uh, in the city of Detroit. Yeah, it's uh, it's next to Wayne State campus, and uh, Wayne State officials were there when we did a media event with the lieutenant governor during the summer. Um, a lot of great support from them and that kind of uh, kind of happening section of uh, the city, the the neighborhood. Lots of uh, vibrancy there, and lots of pedestrian traffic, as you mentioned. And yeah, the bridge is really a marvel, and it is it is aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. So let's move over. Oh, go well, ahead. One, one other quick thing on that that I just remembered is that was the structure that we actually moved into place with the, oh, they're called self-propelled mobile transporters or something like that. But essentially, we built the structure of it in a parking lot next to the freeway. And by building the abutments um, and then building the structure offsite, we were able to really minimize the amount of time that the roadway was closed to traffic. So essentially built the abutments on either side, first removed the old bridge, then built the abutments on either side. And when the structure was ready, we rolled it into place. Um, another key thing about that one too, is that it spans the entire freeway. So I mentioned this future I-94 corridor project by not having a center pier in there, that allows us a lot of design flexibility in the future. So we're not kind of tied into any specific alignments. Now we have that whole clear area beneath um, so that we can most efficiently get those roadways uh, placed in there when the when the new geometry comes with the future project. Yeah, absolutely. Given the importance of that 94 corridor and the commercial and commuter traffic that moves through there, limiting the time that it was closed was a, was a big deal. And I know I know people uh, appreciated that. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. Did you know Newton's first law of motion states that a body in motion will continue moving at the same speed and same direction, while the second law states that an object acted upon by the force will undergo... Wait, I thought this was a snowplow safety message. It is, which is why this is relevant. Don't you think that's complicating things just a bit? Not at all. A snowplow weighs 17 times more than your average car. Right, and snowplows tend to travel at slower than posted speeds. So the third law states that action and reaction are equal and opposite. I think it's easier just to remind motorists to give plows the room they need to do their jobs. Follow at a safe distance and don't drive into snow clouds. Things like that. Well, if you're going to make it that simple, why don't you just say, don't crowd the plow? Great idea. Stay safe this winter. Don't crowd the plow. That's it? Yeah, that's it. So let's jump over to a big project in Lansing. Um, completed uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, really just as the pandemic was underway, crews managed to finish rebuilding I-496 west of the city, uh, basically to where it meets 96. And now this summer, they finished an $80 million section um, right near downtown Lansing, uh, 17 bridges, three miles of road, uh, big, big project. Yeah, absolutely. This was another Rebuilding Michigan uh, 
program funded project. Um, it was a big design build job. That's uh, where we kind of contract for the design and construction all in one contract. Uh, allows us a little bit more flexibility, a um, little quicker development time frame on those. Um, but one of the things we did on this, which started out, I think, a little little scary at first, was we shut the road down completely. Um, but that allows us to provide the contractor all of that work area so that they can be most efficient with their work. And uh, it reduced the schedule by about a year by allowing them to to really close the freeway, at least the portion between uh, uh, Grand Avenue and and Martin Luther King slash uh, M99. So, it, you know, we, we obviously worked with the with the locals. Um, I, and again, I think everybody was a, a little nervous, myself included. It's not that far out the window from my office. <laughs> uh, but uh, the uh, the frontage roads and the service roads where we detoured traffic uh, did the job, um, and we were able to uh, put that sort of uh, construction staging in place and really minimize the overall downtime for the corridor. Well, we've found in the past, I know going back years, that if you survey the people, the local officials and the, the people who use the corridor and ask them, uh, would you be willing to suffer a complete shutdown if it gets the job done earlier and they you know to a one they almost always say yes and so that was the case here absolutely and, and it usually takes ensuring that we have enough alternate corridors um and in this case uh, I, I think we did and uh yeah very very successful outcome and this is one that i think anybody who travels in michigan travels to chicago is is familiar with and uh this one was decades in the making and probably from the time you worked in uh, in the Southwest region, you even though this wasn't immediately in your transportation service center area, I'm sure you were familiar with the long, what would you say, long plagued plan <laughs> to complete the uh, US 31 extension uh, around Niles, basically involved work at 31, I-94 and I-96 near Benton Harbor, $94 million project. We were able to celebrate it uh, with the governor and Congressman Upton, uh, just a, a really cool project that the community was very excited about. Yeah, this one's uh, this is a, a really fantastic job, another rebuilding Michigan job. But um, I, uh, when I started my career 27 years ago, one of my first stops on my uh, development rotation was the environmental section, and I remember hearing about this project. That was in 1995. Um, so it, it has been around a long time and, uh, having had to traverse from the Lansing area down to, uh, South Bend several times for both of my son's lacrosse, uh, tournaments over the years, um, sure it would have been nice to have that in place, but, uh, now it's done. Um, really connecting the freeway now for, for 31, all the way from the state line, all the way up. 2I-94 have a much improved interchange with the uh, I-94 business loop in Benton Harbor and uh, then all the way up to the interchange with 196. So, yeah, this one was a long time coming and uh, I'm sure it will be appreciated by many of us for, for years to come. Well, yeah, and, and going to your point about environmental sensitivities, I think uh, 
the story's been a little skewed by people who think that it was the presence of this fan and the Mitchell Sater butterfly that slowed down the whole project. And that was something that MDOT was able to work through. The real delay was simply lack of funding, like so many things involving, you know, what we need to do with roads and bridges in the state. But I, I, I think we all feel really good about what we did to, to mitigate the environmental concerns at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jeff, you're right. And, and like you said, we, we, we had those pieces figured out in, in the appropriate way. It just was really down to funding. And, you know, Rebuilding Michigan did provide us the opportunity to get some of these big projects that we just otherwise wouldn't have been able to get to that we knew needed to be done. But we, you know, we, we were kind of working in a, in a sense just to kind of preserve so it was it was a great opportunity and it was a, a much needed project and it's great to see this one done. Last one that's uh, featured in our year end video, uh, just for geographic diversity, is I ninety six heavily traveled section of I ninety six east of Grand Rapids, fifteen million dollar rebuild. Uh, I can tell you from personal travel that it was a very very rough section of road and it, it's it's beautiful now, uh, smooth and quiet. So talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have reason to drive to Grand Rapids from Lansing uh, quite often myself. And, you know, over the last few years, I've been amazed at how much traffic is on that road. Um, my frame when I worked down in Marshall was I-94, and I knew that was busy, and I knew all the trucks. But 96 seemed to be, you know, a little more out of the way, but not so much. A lot of traffic through there. And, you know, when we're rebuilding a section of road like that, that's obviously one of the biggest things we deal with is how do we keep traffic moving? Um, they came up with some pretty innovative ways for getting access to the to the freeway kind of uh, off right away. So the contractor was able to move in and out of the work zones without having to jump in and out of traffic. And that's huge. That's huge from a safety perspective and huge from a um, just a, a, an operational and efficiency standpoint. Uh, one of the other neat things about this project is while we had the, the closures in place, we did take it our time to look at some uh, bridge repairs, like maintenance type work that needed to be done uh, within the limits of the enclosure. So we took the time to get those things done and out of the way with our maintenance folks, um, to, again, to, to not inconvenience the motorists more than once. Yeah, that it really did work out well. I was uh, a little concerned, skeptical at first about, you know, what the slowdowns were going to be, but they absolutely minimized it. So talk a little bit because, you know, you and I have talked before about inflation and construction. I mean, we've got inflation in everything and all kinds of products and materials and certainly uh, road construction was not immune to it. Um, delivering this uh, record program in 2023, still in the midst of a pandemic and still in the midst of inflation and supply chain challenges, um, you know, you got to feel good about what the department was able to do. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Every one of these projects and many, many more um, took a lot of hard work and dedication from all of our staff. You know, everywhere from from planning and finance to design and construction, and and obviously the the folks that are out there every day maintaining it as well. Um, this was a lot of work, and not only with MDOT but with also our industry partners, our consulting engineers, and obviously our contractors. So. It was a very big year. 
and it was done um, with a with a lot of um, <laughs> with with a lot of challenges. You know, you mentioned the inflation pieces. Uh, we are still dealing with logistical issues, um, likely resulting out of COVID, whether that's labor issues, whether that's material uh, supply issues. Um, but we did it, and you know that's probably what's been the most amazing thing to me is even with all of these, uh, I'll call them restrictions, whatever you want to call it, we found a way to get things done. Whether it's the the innovations, you know, that we talked about on these specific projects, um, or or other things that people have done, just to make sure that we uh, are continuing to deliver for the customers. Well, and that's kind of been the way for you know MDOT and local road agencies and road agencies across the country, really, with the uh, you know <laughs> with a federal gas tax that hasn't been raised and uh, ongoing other challenges and still finding a way to, to get things done and still build and, and rebuild. So yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Is there anything else you want to mention uh, as we wrap up here about the, the program overall the year or the year ahead and you know, the, what we're, what we're expecting going forward? Uh, you know, not, not a whole lot. I think we talked a lot about this program and uh, quite honestly, I'm looking forward to the new year. Um, and uh, we, we have another very large program to, to get out for our customers this year. And uh, I look forward to uh, working again with our own MDOT staff and our partners to, to delivering. Great. Well, thank you, Brad. Um, hope you uh, and your family have great holidays. You all too. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. You can find show notes and more information at either the Buzzsprout site or on Apple Podcasts. I also want to thank the people who work on this podcast and make it as good as it can be each week. Chiefly, Randy Debler, who does the audio editing. Also, Jackie Salinas, who puts the transcript together. Jesse Ball, who proofreads the show notes. And Courtney Bates, who posts the podcasts on the various platforms. 